Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole earth should be registered. This is the first registration when Crinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to their own town. And so Joseph also went out from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. But the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a whole multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels went away into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying they had heard concerning this child and all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds' words. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as it had been told to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I want more joy in my life. So if I want more joy, I guess it makes sense that our family gift this year is we're getting a puppy. It's a mini schnauzer that we're calling Levi. He will bring us some joy, some happiness. Uh, He'll also bring a mess. Um, Levi actually is short for Leviathan, which is the sea monster in the Hebrew Bible. So appropriately named that the personification of chaos is about to move into our home. We want more joy. But if we're honest, joy is different than happiness, isn't it? The joy we long for endures. Joy endures in the face of loss. Joy endures in the face of pain. Joy endures in the face of severe trial. I like how G.K. Chesterton wrote once, he said, man is more himself, man is more man-like when joy is the fundamental thing in him and grief the superficial. Melancholy should be an innocent interlude, a tender and fugitive frame of mind. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. That's the joy 
I want more of. So I need to look at the shepherds. I need to pay attention to the shepherds in this story. When I was at the four o'clock family service just this day, uh, I had all the kids up here. It seemed like about 400 kids gathered all at the front. And uh, I picked up our beautiful shepherd here and I said, today I want you most of all to focus on this shepherd. And there were immediate grumblings among the children. And they said, what about Jesus? And I said, of course, you know, Father Paul's not a heretic. Jesus is the most important thing, person here. But for today, I want you to be looking at the shepherd. And this little girl over here with a rather loud voice said, is that boy holding a monkey? And then her mother shushed her and she said, oh, it's Jesus, I wanna kiss him. You can't make this stuff up. But our shepherd, we need to look at the shepherd if we wanna find this joy in this Christmas season. I realized this year, as I was looking at the story, that the shepherds are kind of the, the key for joy. You see, the shepherds are the ones that are promised joy. Verse 10, the angels say to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The promise of joy, but then at the end of the text in verse 20, after they've gone and they've met baby Jesus, they come back, verse 20 says, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been made known to them. They were promised great joy and they experienced great joy. So what is it about the shepherds that we need to watch? Well, the way the shepherds, I think, find joy in this text is that they really understand two things. Number one, they understand that they're unworthy of this manger. That's just so clear in this passage and we'll open that up. But they're so aware of their unworthiness to be invited to this manger. And yet at the same time, though they are aware of how unworthy they are of this manger, they know they're welcome at this manger. See, they're unworthy to be there and yet they're welcome. And as these two things are juxtaposed against one another, we find the gospel. First, the angels are unworthy of this manger. Verse nine, their response to the angel is great fear. They were filled with great fear. They were terrified. And this, of course, is a natural response. They're seeing an angel. In Hebrew, the word angelos or angel or seraph is burning one. They're beholding a burning one, a burning creature. This is not a little fat angel with cherub wings. And also, not only are they beholding an angel, but they're beholding the glory of the Lord, verse nine says. The glory of the Lord. This is the manifestation of God's presence, the God Almighty of the universe. This is the glory of the Lord that Moses had asked in Exodus 33, Lord, show me your glory. And what did God say to him? You can't look me in the eye. I'll hide you behind the rock, and as my glory passes by, you can just see the train of my glory. These Shepherds behold the glory of the Lord. They're undone, they're unworthy of this. 
But not only are they seeing an angel and the glory of the Lord, but they're fearful because verse 11 says that unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ is the word Messiah. This is the long awaited king they've been, this is a royal announcement. A king has been born and let's just throw in the phrase, the Lord. Somehow, this king who just got born is God. God among us, Emmanuel, God with us. 17 times already in Luke chapter one, Luke has used the phrase, the Lord, to describe none other than the Lord God of Israel. Somehow they are being invited by an angel with the glory of the Lord shining around them to go meet the Messiah, the Christ, who somehow is God as well. No wonder they're terrified. They're so unworthy of this. And it's even more so because they're shepherds. You see, when we look at shepherds now, 2,000 years later, we've got a very positive image of shepherds. I'm sure we've got them all in our own nativities at home. The shepherds have a wonderful place. Some of our children and some of us have played shepherds in the pageant. But see, shepherds used to be, in Israel's history, a noble occupation. Back in the days of Isaac and Jacob, it was a noble profession. But then they went to Egypt and the Egyptians despised shepherds. And ever since Israel went to Egypt, shepherding always became a low level, menial laboring class, bottom of the rung position in Israel. King David, being a shepherd before he's made king, is meant to be a shock to those who find him to be king. Bottom rung, same status in Jesus' day as tax collectors and dung sweepers. The Mishnah, which is the oral tradition of the Torah, says this about shepherds, no one should feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who's fallen in a pit. Rabbis asked in Jesus' day with amazement why God would ever in Psalm 23 refer to himself as my shepherd. They were considered thieves, shepherds were considered liars, and they were technically classed by the religious leaders of their day as sinners. These are the ones, these bottom rung sinners, these despised individuals are the ones that God sends an angel to invite to Jesus' birth. And God does this because he wants to show us all, put on display, not just the unworthiness of these shepherds, but the unworthiness of all of humanity. Who is worthy to come to this manger? Who among us? The shepherds wear it on the outside, but we all wear it safely tucked away. We are all sinners, we are all broken, and we know it. We know we're broken. You can read it in letters to Santa. You know, now you can actually read emails to Santa. There's a site you can go to so kids can email Santa, and you can read the emails. We are aware at the youngest of ages how broken we are. Sarah, age six, Littleton, Colorado, says this, 
I have been really good all year long, but don't ask mommy and daddy if it's true. (laughs) Brian, age five in Tacoma, Washington, writes, my daddy said if I'm not good that you will have to give my toys to a little boy who is good, I think that little boy is gonna get a lot of toys this year. (laughs) And then Dustin, age nine, from Austin, Texas, writes, hi Santa, do you think about me during the year or only at Christmas time? And do you talk with my mom and dad about me being good or bad? Just wondering. See, the shepherds are called to the manger to put on display the unworthiness of any of us coming to this manger. We are unworthy. And yet, look at what the shepherds experience. They know their unworthiness. They know who they are. They're fearful, and yet they're welcomed. They're invited. Verse 12, the angel says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, there's been many sermons written, and and I've written some of them myself, talking all about what do the swaddling cloths mean, what does it mean he's in a manger, lowly, meek, humble. But do you know, following what Bishop Tom Wright says, you know what verse 12 really means when it says, here's the sign, swaddling cloths in a manger? Bishop Wright is just saying, it's simply so you can find the right baby. He's giving a description. I want to make sure you get to the right place. I get you to the right manger. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. That's where you're going. You're invited. Here's your invitation. Here's how you know you got to the right address. It's a sign. It's a welcome. It's an invitation. You see, they're given this sign because they're expected to go and see. But on what basis will they be welcomed? I mean, if all of this is true, what the angels have said about this one born here, the one in the manger, they are unworthy. How can they possibly be welcomed? On what basis will they be welcomed? How can they know they'll be shown hospitality? Can you imagine their fear approaching? What are they going to say? What are the parents going to say when we shepherds show up? Hospitality. Our, Our welcome to Texas has been amazing. Uh, 18 months we've been here in Texas. We've been so welcomed. We've been shown shown such hospitality and we weren't surprised. We knew from the get-go how welcoming and warm and inviting this congregation was. I I got a great Christmas card, the best one of all this year. Um, I got got lots of Christmas cards from all y'all. But the best came from the grade, the third grade class in children's ministry because my eight-year-old is one of those third graders. And, and they, all the third graders were writing a little, little card that said, Father Paul, and then they said something nice. They were beautiful little cards. But then when Kira got hers, she crossed out Paul. So mine from her says, Father Daddy, thank you for bringing us to Christ Church, and thank you for bringing us to Texas. That was my Christmas card for my daughter. I mean, We have been so welcomed. We've been shown such hospitality. 
But for these shepherds, how will they know what kind of hospitality they'll be shown? On what basis will they be welcome offered? Well, verse 17 says that they recount essentially to the family what the angels told them. Verse 17 says, and they saw him and they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. In other words, they basically said, okay, here we are because believe it or not, we met an angel and the angel said, he's the Christ and I think somehow he's God and he told us the sign so we'd know to find him and here we are. In other words, what basis will they be welcomed, these unworthy shepherds? I don't sure they're, sure they're exactly sure how, on what basis they'll be welcomed. They're kind of like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't think I should be welcomed. But the angel told us to come. The angel said we would be welcomed. We don't deserve to be here. We're fully aware of that. But the angel said come, and so we came. You see, what follows their welcome, their, 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 their approach, is joy. This experience, coming and not even knowing the whole story, not even aware of all that this welcome means. Why would God's son come in the flesh and welcome unworthy sinners? They don't know the whole story, but they come and they're beginning to experience grace. They're beginning to experience grace, which is unmerited favor, unmerited welcome, something they cannot earn, and it produces joy. You see, when we're aware that we're unworthy of the manger and yet we're welcomed, joy begins to grow. I don't deserve to be here. I've got no standing by which I should be here, and yet I am welcomed. And the joy that emerges, verse 20, and they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. I like how John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, wrote in the last year of his life. He said, though my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. That's the understanding of grace. I'm unworthy of this manger, and yet I'm welcome. Now, just for a second, as I close, imagine if the angels actually did know the whole story. Imagine what kind of joy would have happened if they'd actually known by what basis they, unworthy as they were, would be welcomed. Imagine if they knew the whole story that we have been able to read in all of Luke's gospel. Imagine if their joy, what their joy would look like. You see, in verse 14, there's this wonderful phrase that is so famous, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom he's pleased. Now it's been mistranslated in certain greeting cards and there's been controversies over what the phrase means, but here's essentially what verse 14 means. The, sh the angels say to the shepherds, here's the way that unworthy people can be welcomed in God's presence because peace is given to earth to people whom he's pleased with. Peace, it's, it's a good, right relationship. Now, the challenge though is the word pleased. In the next chapter, you turn one page in your Bible, chapter three, Jesus is getting baptized in the Jordan. He's grown up now. He gets baptized, he comes out of the water and what does God the Father say to him? He says, you are my son whom I love, with you I'm well 
pleased, same word. So if peace is given to those whom God is pleased with, we're talking about being like Jesus. So does that mean nobody's pleasing to God? Only Jesus gets that designation of being pleasing to God. Are we done for? No. And here's why. Because if we read to the end of Luke's gospel, we find out that there is a great exchange that has gone on. That Jesus, 33 late years later, after this word spoken by the angels, Jesus climbs up a hill carrying a cross. And as he dies on that cross, we don't even know in that moment until he declares it after his resurrection that he has borne our sins. See, Jesus in that moment, 33 years after these angels spoke, took our sins, took everything that's displeasing about us on himself and exchanged that with us. He gave us his pleasing status before God. We became pleasing, he became displeasing. As 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, in Luke 24, verse 36, Jesus, raised from the dead, comes to his disciples and says, remember that word peace? Shows them the wounds. It says, peace be with you. In other words, 33 years later, Jesus has fulfilled the means by which unworthy people can be welcomed in God's presence. Jesus has taken everything wrong in us and has made us worthy. Unworthy as those shepherds are, they come and they're welcomed. Why? Because Jesus will one day bear all that is displeasing in them. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. See the joy that emerges from that? I want more joy in my life. I need to look at these shepherds. They are a picture of you and me, a picture of us unworthy as we are, invited to the manger and yet welcomed. Welcomed because of Jesus' cost. Why do you, how do you come tonight? Do you come comprehending? just how unworthy we are before this manger and yet how welcomed we are? Or do you come casually, half-heartedly, even proudly? Or do we come with a profound sense of unworthiness, a profound sense of grace? The shepherd's posture will produce great joy. And you know what's amazing is we don't have to wait for Christmas. Every week and even tonight, we rehearse this act again and again because we are invited to a table. We come and kneel at a meal that we do not deserve. We come every week unworthy and find welcome. And that brings joy. See how the shepherds summoned to his cradle, leaving their flock draw nigh with holy fear we too will thither bend our joyful footsteps. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. 
Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.